Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is up, my friends, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. So one of the things that I think every single student should do before they graduate college is get an internship in whatever field that they're hoping to work in later in life. And I think most students have this on their list of goals, which is awesome. And we've covered a lot of different aspects of how to land internships and succeed in internships on the site, including my post on 97 things you can do to get hired and uh, multiple different podcast episodes. But there is always room for more great content in this area. And that is exactly what you're going to get today. So. My guest on today's episode is my friend Tam Pham, who is an author of two different books. One's called How to Network, and the other one, which just recently launched, is called How to Land Your Dream Internship. And he sent me a free copy of it because we're friends, and friends send each other free copies of their books, and I read through it today, actually, and it is awesome. Um, you're going to hear me say this in the conversation, but I really, I thought that this book is a really, really great resource for finding internships. I have recommended Brad Karsh's book, which is called Confessions of a Recruiting Director, for many, many years for people who are looking to get an insider's look at what it takes to get a job and what it takes to impress recruiting directors. And I'm still going to keep recommending that book, but I am now going to add Tam's book to the list because Tam takes a much more updated approach to the whole process of finding and going after internships. And his book has lots of different online resources you can use, along with systematic breakdowns of the types of emails you can write to people, of what exactly you should say in interviews, all that great stuff. And Tam himself has a lot of experience in this area. In fact, when he started his first semester of his freshman year, literally at 18 years old, he also started an internship that he worked 20 hours a week at concurrently with his studies and classes. So he's got a lot of different experience. He's had like six different internships since then. And he has shared a bunch of it in the book, and he's going to share a lot of it in this interview as well. So I kind of went into this conversation thinking it was going to be a general overview of how to get an internship. And to an extent, it is that. But I think what you should really pay attention to in this interview is some of the tactics that Tam uses for keeping track of the relationships that he's building and the connections that he's made with companies and with individuals. Because I think that is going to be really, really useful information for you to use and hopefully implement in your own life. And he gets like downright scientific about this stuff way more than I ever have. And I'm going to link to some resources in the show notes that you can use if you want to start doing some of these same things yourself, which I think you definitely should at least consider. So if you want to find those show notes, you can go over to CIGpodcast.com slash 129, where you'll find all those good links. And you'll also find a link that'll let you rate and review the podcast in iTunes, which is a fantastic way to support the show. So if you want to help the show grow in the future and get out to even more people, that is a great way to do it. So that is all I've got to say for this intro. Let's get right into this interview with Tam. All right, Tam, welcome to the show, dude. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is this, this is the first time we talked ever. 
No, like, I didn't interview on my podcast. Maybe about a year right. or two ago. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. That was that's right. Are you still doing your podcast? Uh, it's been on and off, but uh, I've been working on a lot of different things and um, having a lot of fun just exploring. Okay, man, I can't believe I, I totally slipped my mind about that. Update me about what you're doing now then, because it has been a couple of years. Yeah, well, I currently work as a community manager for a startup company called Mixuji. Okay. They're kind of like lynda.com, but for entrepreneurs. So Is that Andrew I, Warner's company? It is Andrew Warner's company, yeah. They, I used to watch their interviews. They're kind oh, of no like, way. Are, isn't Mixergy kind of like the the prototype original entrepreneur interview format <laughs> site, basically? Yeah, they were one of the very first movers, started about eight years ago. Okay. And now, yeah, they've been going, he's at like maybe 1,300 interviews after like eight years or oh so. Oh my gosh. Um, so he's been going really hard at it. And uh, luckily he, I was working at another company called The Hustle and he, he poached me from there to work for him. So now... Uh, I work closely with him and a lot of his members who subscribe or who are like um, who pay the premium membership mm-hmm. for uh, Mixitude.com. So what's their business model now? Because I know back when I was a viewer of their site, it was everything was just open because this was a really yeah. long time ago. Yeah. So it's, if you if you want the Mixitude content, they have a library of about 1500 videos and master courses. And the master courses are um, really in-depth one on one, not interviews, but more like how to, for example, build and manage a remote team. And we interview like the founder of TopTow who who makes like millions of dollars in revenue and, and his whole team is remote. And so it was a master course exactly how to do that. Um, oh, that's awesome. And, and, and yeah, so if you pay a monthly fee, um, you get access to maybe 1,500 or so interviews and courses. And you get access to uh, a private community that I manage where you can connect with other Mixergy premium members who are all like ambitious entrepreneurs who are just, you know, kicking butt. So would it be correct for me to assume that you were a Mixergy viewer and possibly subscriber before you got this job? Oh yeah. And it's, it's kind of crazy because you listen to the, you know, to Andrew Warner and to other people and these bloggers. And then when you finally like you talk with them as friends and then you get a work, like they, they go out of their way to hire you. It's kind of like a dream come true. Yeah. So it, it's, it's really awesome. I figured you might've been because one of the things I've noticed about you is you're really, really good at just being a visible fan of things before <laughs> you reach out for businessy things. Yeah. Like, I mean, why do you I, say that? <laughs> Cause I know you were, you were commenting on stuff that I had written for a long time and following me on Twitter. And then I think you've like emailed me for holidays and stuff like that. I don't I could be making this stuff up, but all I know is like, you're one of those guys who pops into my inbox or into my tweet mentions just to say like, Hey, have an awesome Christmas dude. Or, Hey, this is really awesome thing you wrote, or I want to introduce you to this person. Like you're one of those very few people who I think of immediately as like a connector and as Mm. just like a, I'm like a super value bringer. So that was just like the picture in my head. It's like, okay, Andrew must have known exactly who you were as a as a fan and subscriber before he ever reached out to you to hire you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And and you're not making that up, but that is actually very true. I, you know, Thomas, I've been following your stuff for like three, three, four years or so. Like when you had barely any, like you had an audience, but it wasn't as big as it, as it is now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of awesome for me to be talking to, to you. <laughs> yeah, man. So So you also just came out with this book. Which it's been out for what about a month now? If I'm... Yeah, about a month. Okay, and for the people who have not heard of it yet, it's called. It's called How to Land Your Dream Internship. Awesome. Uh, it's a 
proven step-by-step system to gain real-world experience. And um, it kind of came from my frustration as a college freshman not being able to land internships. I, I had job interviews, but I kept like like not, not getting the job. Uh, I had instances where I got rejected multiple times, never getting emails back. And I was like, man, why am I not like landing this? I'm doing everything correctly or what you know the online advice said. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I went to um, my career my career center at my school where John Zelangsang, one of my career counselors, literally had to guide me step by step on how to do on how to get an internship. So after a few months of hard work, I actually got it. And after that after that internship, I got my second one, third one, fourth one. And I was like, wow, if I didn't have like that John Zelangsang in my life, like I would have never, you know, launched my career in this way. And yeah. I was I was wondering like why is there not a guide an easy to read guide to effectively land an internship. And so I created this and I've got a lot of great feedback so far. And um, now I'm talking to you about it. Yeah. And I just got to say, I know I told you this before we started recording, but just so the listeners get the benefit of hearing again, I I read the book and I really like it. Like it's just the the tone you write in is awesome. And it's like got that subtle humor that I really like and that I try to put into (laughs) my writing, but then it's, it's really good information and uh, I've had a book on my essential reads list for a long time by Brad Karsh called Confessions of a Recruiting Director, which I will probably still keep there, but yours is like 10 years updated. So <laughs> I think it's going to be right next to it in the very near future when I get a chance to put it on there because I really liked it and um, it'll be in the show notes. Highly recommend it. And that's what I want to talk to you about today because when I was reading your intro, like you just said, I read that you emailed 50 companies or you you applied to 50 different internships and got rejected Mm -hmm. or never heard back and you bombed interviews. And I would love to hear like some of the things that you now can see that you did wrong or that you didn't do optimally and then some of the changes you made. Uh, And maybe we can just kind of weave that into your overall story because I know now you're working for a startup, but you said you did four internships? Uh, Six. Six internships. Wow. Okay. So I only did one. So you (laughs) definitely have a lot more internship experience than I do. Let's go back to the the original, like your your journey to finding the first one, though, and some of those mistakes. Well, yeah, for example, like I, I would. So there's three ways to find an internship, which I outline in the book. There's mm-hmm. a front door, side door and the creative approach. And we'll just start with the, the front door was where you would just go on these job sites, you know, make a profile and not not spam your resume, but submit your your resume and cover letter to 50 different companies at once. Mm. And that's what I spent 90 percent of my time doing. And I realized like after so many submissions and so much time and hours spent doing this, I wasn't getting any results. And I was like, why is that? Like, why, why would they even have an application? For, like, why would these companies have an application form? And they won't even return my email back when I submit like I, what I think was a great resume. And so I had to step back and think, man, what is every, like, how does everyone else get internships and what am I doing wrong? And what I was doing wrong was that what uh, many things like one most most jobs don't like most great internships you never find through the front door mm. which like the monster.com or careerbuilder.com normally you wouldn't find like the best opportunities there and second it's it's so saturated the market is like maybe like like i don't know what the percentage is but maybe half of college students are, are just spamming their resume and just trying to find the best opportunity through that way. Yeah. And also my, my resume and my cover letter wasn't tailored. It wasn't up to date or it, w- it was up to date, but it wasn't uh, an A plus resume. So instead of uh, pushing, 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 I should have took a step back and worked strategically, you know, update, like made my resume a lot better, like sound a lot better, had much more tailored to the company I wanted to um, work for and 
so many other mistakes and we can go in whatever direction you want to uh, you want to lead Thomas but um it wasn't until I I stopped and realized like wow I'm not doing this right like what am I doing wrong and that's when I got help from from John that's awesome and it's really cool to have you articulate that I I have to credit my mom because when I was 14 years old I wanted to work at the grocery store in our town <laughs> and she gave me such good advice that I feel like I've been able to sort of skip over a lot of the common pitfalls that a lot of people fall into because she basically just told me up front, go in, number one, get two applications in case you make a typo on one of them. You can rewrite it instead of having to go back. And then you go in, you hand the application to the manager. You'd like ask specifically to speak to the manager, hand it to them, shake their hand, introduce yourself. And then if they don't get back to you in a week, call them back and follow up. And so she told me, you know, if, if you ever apply online or you send in an application via the mail, you still follow up in a week's time on the phone. So that was kind of like baked into my brain from day oh, wow. one. That's and perfect. because of that, like, I think there's these things that my brain just skips over when trying <laughs> to spell it out for other people. Like, yeah, you got to follow up. You actually have to call. And <laughs> I don't know when, when friends of mine have applied to jobs and they're like, how come nobody ever got back to me? It just seemed like an obvious thing that, oh, well, you, you followed up a week later, right? So it's good <laughs> yeah. to have somebody lay out, you know, kind of the, the I have no idea what I'm doing first stage to kind of set the stage here. Oh, yeah. And in the book, I also recommend to like have a spreadsheet of all the jobs you applied for, which is one thing I also didn't do. So the that's 50, a good idea. Yeah. The 50 websites that I submitted my resume to, like mm -hmm. I have no like I, I forgot like half of the companies I applied for. It was like Adobe and Google, you know, all these like big companies that I that I try to go for. But I literally had no idea, no or no idea who I who I uh, applied to and um, how to follow up with them. So now I recommend to make a spreadsheet of all the all the companies you applied for to follow up after one week or two weeks or three weeks of no response. So I would love to talk about that because that is something that I never did. I mm. do keep a spreadsheet of the speaking engagements that I'm currently negotiating but I never did that for jobs, so we'd, I would love to dig into that. But to set the stage real quick, I have a couple of questions. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to San Jose State University. Okay, so you were in California, which means, I guess what I'm really trying to figure out here is how close were the companies you applied to? Because mm. I know going to school in Iowa, I sometimes had questions from fellow Iowa State students who were like, hey, I want to work for Google, I want to work for, for Adobe, I want to work for Microsoft, companies that didn't really have a huge presence in mm -hmm. Iowa or in the Midwest. So you run into these questions of how do I get, you know, face-to-face -face informational interviews with people who work at the company, or how do I even get an interview in the first place? How do I network with reps from the company, that kind of thing. So I was just curious, you know, how close you were to the companies that you were oh, yeah. interning with. I admit being, living in Silicon Valley, like it's very convenient and very um, accessible to get access to these companies. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely had that advantage there. But that doesn't mean it's not impossible for, for Iowa State students or anywhere to, to land jobs at these big tech companies. Yeah. And the other question I had was, what are the companies you ended up interning for? Oh, I interned for a lot. I interned for this really big company called Epri. Okay. They have a few offices around the U.S., I don't even know what they did and I forgot what I did as well. I just did like data. <laughs> I did data. My, my title was sourcing intern and I had no okay. idea what that meant. If you looked on LinkedIn, it's like a very complicated sentence, but I, I just filled in data and like filed papers. So okay. that, that was okay. Um, I interned for startups, which was a startup accelerator. 
I interned Spart-ups. for Spartups. Is yeah, it like Sparta a, pun? <laughs> kind of, yeah, because uh, San Jose State is our mascot is Spartans. Oh, okay, cool. So Spartups is the accelerator that works closely with our students. Mm-hmm. I interned for a company called Lean Startup Company uh, with Eric Reese, uh, and that was really fun. If if you're into startups and entrepreneurship, you'll recognize that 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 company. I think I do. Um, Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's essentially... Oh, go ahead. I'm trying to remember if I've met him or not. Is he affiliated <laughs> with Startup Weekend at all? Kind of, not really. He started the whole movement of Lean Startup. Okay. I've either met him or I'm just familiar with him and have read his stuff online before or read oh, about okay. him. Maybe you've heard of Steve Blank? You know, that's actually less familiar to me. I'm not sure, though. Oh, just kidding. That was his co-author. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I interned for The Hustle which recent, uh, recent, recently um, a media company that specializes in business and tech mm-hmm. and a couple more. It's, it's on my LinkedIn. I, you know, when you do a lot of things and you don't really remember exactly like, Oh yeah. Step A, a through Z. Yeah. I think I, if I, if I actually count it and take time to think about it, I've done maybe 15 different jobs since I was a teenager, <laughs> but so many oh, yeah. of them were just little things or before high, high school ended so I actually have to sit there and think about it for a while. I can't just rattle them off. Oh, yeah. But I don't say this like to, to brag. Mm-hmm. I say this because all these like different internships taught me like new skills and um, met so many new people that helped me learn more about myself and what I really wanted to, to do. So, for example, like after like the the office job at Epri, where I had my own cubicle and like a nice cafe, we had free Pinkberry. It was like amazing opportunity, but it was just like such mentally like, uh, draining and emotionally draining because I, I didn't want to be there. The work didn't um, fulfill me and I just didn't want to do d- data entry work. So yeah. that internship taught me like, you know, this is not the work I actually want to do. Let me explore a new field. And I interned for, you know, a different company. That's awesome. And that's one of the things that I tell people to do. Uh, and I think it's one of the most important things is just to keep asking yourself, what are the aspects of this work that I do and don't like? because I had the exact same experience. I was super pumped to go work at this huge company, huge financial company in the computer networking department. And number one, it was different than I expected it to be, much less active, much more sitting in the cubicle. Mm -hmm. And number two, it's just like, I eventually started to discover that I am not the kind of person who likes to maintain things that are already set up, like computer networks and a giant corporation. (laughs) I'm really interested in building new things, and I love jumping into a big hands-on project. So mm-hmm. I had to start realizing that this is not actually the career field for me. And yeah. I'm curious to know about that that initial office job. How did you feel when you went into work every day? Oh, man, you know the answer to this. I felt <laughs> like I, I felt like, man, what am I doing here? Like, I felt horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would spend an hour in traffic from going from San Jose, where I live, to Palo Alto, you know, rush hour traffic. So I get there upset already. And I, I'm in this, my, my own cubicle and everyone around me was twice my age and have kids. And, mm-hmm. um, and it, it was just a whole new environment from what I was used to, like used to working. And so when I went in there, I literally just like did my work, didn't say hi to many people because it wasn't even an opportunity to say hi to most people and, you know, go to the cafe, eat lunch, go back. And, and then maybe on a certain day, like I go to school or, um, I just go home like it, it was not fulfilling at all, which which was a, my wake up call saying like, wow, like I thought I wanted this, but I actually didn't. Yeah. Uh, so I had those feelings, too. And there's this 
very specific feeling that I had, and I wonder if you had it as well, because it was a three-month internship, you know, internships are time-bounded, to me, it literally felt like a prison sentence. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you know, you're a sophomore, you're just, just done with your sophomore year in college, you can't quit the internship that you got, and at least, I mean, you can, but as a sophomore, I was like, if I quit this, I'm throwing away a huge opportunity and burning bridges, but I know it's not for me. So basically the option I feel like I have in front of me is I have to stick it out and finish it and end with a good reputation and good relationships with all my coworkers who I do like, but I hate this work. So mm. it's prison. That's, that's how it felt to uh, me. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely felt that way, but I'm also very grateful that, you know, I've had the opportunity to mm. like intern for a company like that. And I have actually many friends, like my friend at Georgetown University right now, um, she's doing a banking internship and she's been there for the, the past summer, so four months, mm-hmm. and now maybe now about six, seven months. And but she hated it. She she really like dislikes the work, dislikes the the whole industry. But she's gonna stay for another year and a half. And I'm like, why? Are you crazy? Really? Like you you hate this stuff. And she's like, yeah, but it looks bad if you don't um, work at least two years in this this field um, before leaving. Uh, and it puts a bad taste in the other employer that might hire her. And I was like, wow, you're gonna sacrifice a year and a half of you know, working and, you know, trying to, you know, that that time could be done um, experimenting or making things or, um, you know, ten, a million other things that you would love to do instead of that baking internship. And she doesn't so, want to be in that field, right? Like the whole field? I, I don't know, actually, because she, she comes from Georgetown University where maybe half of the whole like whole school is, goes into consulting or finance. Okay. So maybe it's just like her environment playing a part of it. But um, from an outsider perspective, especially from someone who's uh, ventured off the path of, uh, or, you know, who ventured off the the normal traditional path, um, it just shocks me about how people can still uh, work a job they hate and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. It shocks me, but it's something I see still on a daily basis. I mean, mm-hmm. how long have you been out of school? Uh, maybe a, a year or so. A year or so, okay. Because I've been out for over three years now. And so most of my friends and the people who I knew in college are now graduated. And I now know a lot of people who (laughs) really don't like the work they're doing, but Mm -hmm. don't do much to get out of it. And that sucks. (laughs) But (laughs) there's only so much you can do to kind of prod them. Yeah. And you you can't do anything (laughs) about it because when if you go up to them and say, like, like why if you question them and the decisions and everything, they'll get defensive at you and justify why they make the right decision, even mm-hmm. though it might not be the right decision. So you can't really, it's hard for, like, for example, for me, it's hard to give advice until they're ready to, to receive it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I feel like I've talked about how much I hated my office internship before and you're talking about it. So I do want to put out there that not everyone <laughs> hates working in an office and hates, yeah. you know, a cubicle's not everyone's bane of their existence. I feel that maybe my podcast gravitates towards guests who are more (laughs) uh, entrepreneurial or just a little bit off the beaten path uh, or just Mm -hmm. crazy like me. So I don't want to say this to discourage people from going to work at more established companies, because if you have an interest and they're they're in the industry that you're interested in, go for it. Do it. Mm -hmm. Worst thing that happens is you spend a summer doing something you don't like, but then you discover that you don't like doing it. And I, I truly believe that you can only discover what you don't like doing by getting your hands dirty and doing it 
Mm -hmm. And I don't, I actually don't, um, like if you work in a cubicle, that's great. Like if you're doing work, um, that you love and the people around you are awesome, like go work in a cubicle, mm -hmm. go for it. I guess it was the more of the work, the, the data entry work and the filing papers that really drained me. Oh yeah. It would. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree there. It's not the, it's not the cubicles fault. They are kind of boring. <laughs> And I did cut all the front covers off of all my PS2 games and stuck them on the wall to make it <laughs> fun to look at. But mm. it really was the work because my job was basically uh, we need you to block Facebook in the firewall. So you need to write exactly what you're going to do in a Word document, mm -hmm. send it up through three different bosses. And then once you get approval from all three bosses, then go <laughs> into the firewall and make the changes. And that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> so I just basically come into work every day and have a big list of all those changes I'd have to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, 10 hours of that every day, not very fun. Mm -hmm. so. But I'm sure you loved your uh, grocery store job. Um, or did you hate it? So here's the thing. My favorite part of the grocery store job and was bringing carts in because I started out as a cashier, not a cashier, uh, a bagger. So basically mm -hmm. my job was to sack groceries and then the only other job available to me at the time was to go out and do cart duty. And mm -hmm. really early on, I started to notice some differences between me and a lot of the other people who worked there because everyone else hated cart duty and they would rather be inside bagging groceries. And they always mm -hmm. said, you know, it's nicer in here during the winter. It's not cold. I'm not getting snowed on. It's not as heavy lifting. And my mindset was, yeah, but bagging groceries is more boring and you have to stand mm -hmm. in one spot. I would much rather go out there and get snowed on. I literally asked for cart <laughs> duty during a blizzard once. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> you were like 15? Yeah, I was 15 years old. It was it was like a crazy blizzard. Uh, you've probably never seen this because you live in San Jose. We get these ice storms where oh. literally everything will get covered in half an inch of ice. And it, it's wow. kind of cool because you'll see the trees and the trees are just like, it looks like every branch of the tree is coated in like this layer of water but it's ice it's crazy and that's what literally happens so that happened one day and i was like yeah, can i go do carts because I, I just want to <laughs> plug my iphone in and do some hard work man uh i love getting my hands dirty and i love hard work and i hate boredom so anything that's boring anything that gets too repetitive my brain kind of rails against it and because of that i've always gravitated towards the areas where i could work harder and do more varied work Mm -hmm. you like a challenge oh definitely yeah yeah my the other thing i did at the grocery store was i w eventually went back and worked in the bakery oh and nice. that was really challenging because there was like eight different types of baked goods we had to get ready for the next morning within a four-hour shift and at the same time customers are coming up ordering cakes and people are calling in ordering cakes so i was basically on the ball the entire time and mm -hmm. i was like i didn't love that job because it's not coding. It's not building crazy cool things on the internet. That's really my passion, but I liked it way <laughs> more than cashiering, which is literally just standing in one spot going boop, boop. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> oh yeah. What, one of my favorite jobs was working at Jamba Juice, which is kind of like, Oh, um, for real? Yeah. Yeah. I worked at Jamba Juice for the listeners who are not familiar. It's like, um, smoothies, like mm -hmm. Starbucks for smoothies. And, and you just, I would just love making smoothies all day. And there would be like three different parts. Like one, one person's making the smoothies, one person is washing the, the blenders and the other person is on cashier. 
And I would hate doing the cashier. I would hate doing the blenders. I just want to make stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that all, uh, looking back, it kind of all relates to what, what, what we're both doing right now, actually. Yeah, it is kind of interesting to look back at your old high school jobs. Because when you're a high schooler, you think, like, this is just a job, and I'm doing it to make some money, and I'm going to go off to college, and I'm going to do my dream job someday. But then you graduate from college, and you work for a while in the professional world, and you look back, and you see little elements of your high school jobs that you can look back to now and be like, I liked that. Maybe Mm -hmm. I didn't like making smoothies for a living, but... I liked the work that went into it or I liked the act of creating something new for somebody or, you know, for somebody else. I like the act of talking to people for my work and being really social and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, totally. So I want to come back to this spreadsheet thing. So let's dig into the details. How exactly did you build this thing out? Well, it could just be as simple as, you know, like a column for a company name Mm -hmm. uh, and reach out date. And so after like a week has gone by, you can just check back the spreadsheet and then see what companies you haven't, or companies you haven't received a response yet. And if you're lucky, you can find their email address like somewhere in LinkedIn or using some uh, some tool, uh, emailhunter.com, mm-hmm. and uh, and find email the email hunter? and follow. Email hunter. There's a, there's a lot of them. Clearbit.com, I think. And oh, sweet. Um, yeah, I can send you. I can send you it uh, offline. Okay. Because um, I'm huge at finding emails. <laughs> I'm decent uh, I, at that, but yeah, it's a, we'll put those in the show notes for sure. That's, that's something I did for my other job as well, just finding emails and contacting people. Okay, or doing outreach, and then you just follow up and and just say like, hey, like I submitted my application for you know your company last week. I I'm still super interested in what you're doing here. Again, are you know here like here's a value I can bring to the company. Looking forward to hear back from you, or a, a simple message like that. Can you just go a long way? And it goes anything for like sales or for or for anything. Like for example, for you, Thomas, like I have I personally have like a CRM, like a customer relationship manager, mm-hmm. where it's basically a spreadsheet of all the people I want to stay in touch with, get to know better, or or um like want to know know more deep, like get uh, get really uh, closer together. So I have like two hundred or three hundred or so people, and um I really wanted to get to know you, so I would put your name on there and. I when you know when it's Christmas time, I would like say like Merry Christmas uh, to you and some other people. Mm-hmm. If I see an opportunity that's relevant to you, like for example, when I wanted to connect you with um, the founder of Way Up, I would say, Hey Thomas, I know the founder of WayUp.com. She has a huge audience of college college uh, students and ambassadors. If you wanted to interview her, um, here you uh, here's the introduction that I could make for you. And so I, I like to keep everything organized. And so whenever there is an opportunity um, that can help someone. I can look at my spreadsheets and see, oh, this person would be great to meet Liz or, you know, another person would be great for this other opportunity and et cetera. That is really freaking smart. And you know what? So you said that. And now I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know of a tool that is like CRM for job seekers. And maybe <laughs> you do know of one because what I'm thinking of is, uh, have you ever worked with Intercom? Yes, I have. So and for anyone who doesn't know, Intercom is a tool for businesses to basically keep track of their interactions with their customers. And I don't use it yet. And the the reason I don't use it and I may start using it, but the reason a lot of people who are smaller don't use it is because it's 50 bucks a month, which (laughs) is fine for business, but not so fine for an individual. But I know we do use it over at List of Money Matters. And every Mm -hmm. time someone emails us, their email goes into Intercom. So we can basically build a customer profile, not a customer, but a listener profile for them. And then if they email us again in the future, the new email gets threaded in 
to the old discussion. So we have like one big thread for every specific person. We can add tags to them. We can add reminders to them. And I was just thinking in my head, like, man, a job seeker could really get value out of some sort of app where it would tell them, hey, you haven't followed up with this company or received a reply in a week. You should you should send a reply. And where you could also build out profiles or social media links and stuff as well. That'd be super cool. And I'm just I'm wondering if you use something like that. I use a basic spreadsheet, okay. um, but there are there are tools out there that that could um, help with that. For example, like Airtable. Airtable.com is uh, it works like a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. but it has the power of like a database to to organize anything. So you can use it for your personal CRM. You can use it for job se- job seeking. My friend Adam actually he was looking for a job uh, in the Bay Area, moving here, and he had a whole spreadsheet of all these different companies. And it showed like the company size, the company culture. It, he he just did a really in-depth research on all these different companies uh, he wanted to work for and um, had a column for reach out dates. And it, it was very sophisticated. I, I, I want to ask him if I can show it to you and, and your audience. Um, but eventually he, he used that and got a job at Facebook. Um, That's where awesome. He's working now. So you should get you a blog get, post about it. I could actually. Let me or write this guest down. post. No, I'm I'm serious. Like I was so impressed with with his work of and his level of detail. Yeah. And same with my other friend. Like he did the same thing for for startups going into. Oh, he's moving from, uh, I think Chicago or somewhere on the East Coast, moving here, and he would have this whole list of like a hundred hundred startup companies. Um, uh, how much funding they raise. Um, who their founder is, what their founder's email is, and any news about their company. Mm-hmm. So there were tools for the spreadsheets. And another tool I want to recommend is called a company. Okay. They're a new company. It's accompany.com. Okay. And it kind of gives you a briefing of of anyone you want to know if you just type in their email. It's like basically if someone whispers to you, like if you're the president and someone whispers to you right before you get on stage, like that, that's kind of the the atmosphere they want to bring to. Oh, cool. Uh, that's kind of like, yeah. a, have you used Charlie app? Yeah, it's very much like Charlie app, except I like a company better now. Do you? So yeah, yeah, I use both. Okay. Yeah, th- so those are the details that I was hoping to get you to say because I was wondering, you know, how do you fit in news about the company and funding and all that kind of stuff? Like those are really cool details to add in just so you are able to be very knowledgeable about the company when you end up talking about them or to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to say all this stuff and intimidate anyone. Like you don't have to be technical to Mm -hmm. to do any of this stuff. It's anyone listening who wants to just, who wants to get started on this. I would just suggest using a basic spreadsheet with a company name, like, date of like date of when you apply to the company and like a contact email so if they don't follow up within one week or two weeks then you can follow up through there yeah for your personal crm where you just have people who you want to be friends with or people you follow online you said you're still using a normal spreadsheet yeah i use a normal spreadsheet but i it's like my spreadsheet's on steroids because i use a lot of uh different formulas to make it for uh, for to to accomplish a specific uh, function. Okay. So what I do is, everyone I everyone on my um, CRM has tags. So tag like your tag might be like podcaster, mm-hmm. YouTuber, author, college, and so whenever I need whenever like for Liz Wessel, uh, who's the founder of Way Up, like if she messages me and says, "Do you know anyone in the college space who I can connect with?" I can look up the tag college and. I, then, then the my spreadsheet will filter out like 20 college contacts that I know. You'll be on there, and some other people will be on there. And I say, hey, Liz, here's everyone I know in the college space. Do you want to know any of them? I'll ask for an introduction. That's freaking brilliant. Yeah, I, I get people I'll, asking me that sometimes. You know, 
who should I talk to next for this podcast? And I'm like, uh, and then I'll go scroll through who I'm following on Twitter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think you would, you would totally benefit from the spreadsheet. And it, it takes like maybe a few, like a few hours to do for the, like for the set the foundation. Mm-hmm. But once you have it set, if anyone needs it as a designer, I can just look at my spreadsheet. Anyone needs a developer, look at my spreadsheet. If anyone needs, uh, you know, anything, I can see who I know immediately. And, and that's how I organize everything. So say I'm a row in your spreadsheet and that's, that's correct, right? Yes. So is there a tags column and you just in one column, like do a comma delineated, delineated, you know, college YouTuber podcast or that kind of thing. So then you can just control F. Is that how you do it? it mine's a little bit more complex. I, I actually send you the exact spreadsheet. So if anyone wants to create their own personal CRM, they don't have to recreate the, the whole wheel. Um, so on my spreadsheet, you can click an arrow that will drag down and, and you see all the different categories that oh, I can tag you. You do a drop down. Okay. Yeah. Drop down. So if you're in like IT or consulting or marketing, um, I click the arrow and click marketing. And so on the very top row on the left corner, it's like my search function. Mm-hmm. So instead of um, clicking like control F, I can just click the drop down menu and then click on like college or you know podcaster and see all the podcasters I know. Uh, all in like all all filtered out essentially, so um, you can see twenty or so podcasters in the in, in twenty rows, and all the different categories that they're also in. Is this something you offer to your subscribers? Um, no, I don't. I actually stole this from one of my uh, friends I met on the internet. His name is Key He, and he wanted to solve the problem of a personal CRM himself. Oh, okay. So he he created his own personal CRM, and he lets anyone like make a copy of it on Google Drive and add their own add their own um contacts. So that's that, what I did and I oh go ahead. I was just gonna is that something I can link to in the show notes? Oh most definitely, yeah. And that's why nice. I was gonna recommend like uh, ask ask for you. And this is all very technical. Um and for I just I don't want like just to overwhelm anyone mm-hmm. who's like just getting into internships. Like you don't have to do all <laughs> this stuff to this is what I personally do just to be a connector and um the, this is the mindset I have of just trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, hey, that's the competitive edge. So <laughs> I love exposing those really cool strategies because I can tell you, for for me, I was very single-minded about my internship search. Not to say I didn't talk to multiple companies because I definitely did, but there was one company that I went crazy on research with. I had a big Evernote document with. I knew, you know, basically the last like five big news headlines for what they did. I knew the company history. And I had written down my interactions with the people in the company, but it wasn't spreadsheetified. It was just notes and Evernote. So I couldn't do cool formulas on it. And for the rest of the companies, it was just me going to every single career fair, pre-career fair networking event that my campus offered and getting a lot of face time with recruiters, which really did help. I ended up with a ton of different interview requests. But mm-hmm. if I had a spreadsheet, a CRM, where I could <laughs> say, hey, you need to follow up with this company. It's been a week. That's like next level. So. Yeah, that is next level. So maybe someone listening to this will will build it for us, and then we'll we'll get to share it with our with both of our audiences. That's true. We do need the intercom for job seekers. I don't know. <laughs> maybe while Martin's listening to this, I'll just be like, "Yo, Martin, code this." <laughs> It'll take like a weekend, right? <laughs> so spam, grind it out. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. It's it's not that hard. It's what, HTML, a couple of lines of code. <laughs> so a couple of different points from your book that I wanted to ask you about. One thing that I had like, I I think I've read it somewhere, but I didn't know much about the details. You mentioned that unpaid internships are probably illegal, at least in the U.S. 
So is that an across the board thing or are there loopholes that companies jump through or do they just not care when they offer <laughs> unpaid internships? There are actually many loopholes to unpaid internships. And okay. it's very ironic because um, many of the government internships are all unpaid. So it's ironic that... Really? The, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's really funny. But the, the reason I say... The reason I don't like unpaid internships is because it takes away the opportunity for you to make money. And for, yeah. some, for some students, like they need money to, feed their, to help the family or just pay for school. And, and if you don't have the luxury of taking an unpaid internship then it gives the advantage to the people who um, can't afford, like literally afford to. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't like unpaid internships, but technically it's illegal, but ironically, everyone's doing it. Interesting. All the internships I ever applied for were paid, but I think that's kind of the the default when you're in IT. It's just mm-hmm. the thing. <laughs> but I've always had a conflicted opinion about unpaid internships. So sure. like you, I don't like them. From like an employer's point of view, if you're out there hiring somebody who's going to provide value to you, you should compensate that person in value. None of this, I'll pay you an exposure, bro, because the light <laughs> company's not going to take payment and exposure bucks. So, yeah, I don't like it like you, but but I think the more relevant question, because I can't go out there and just make companies change the way they operate. I can only tell students what to do to get the best results within you know the world that we're given. So... I've always wondered, you know, what do you do if you're presented with an unpaid internship opportunity? When I talked to Gary Vaynerchuk, who was one of my very first podcast guests, he was like, go work for free. Literally pay people to let them work for you if you want it bad enough. And so like part of me agrees with that. Then the other part is like, no, you should stand for your principles and get paid for the work Mm -hmm. you do. So I don't know. Where do you fall on that spectrum? I think you should only do an unpaid internship if the opportunity is so great that you cannot pass up. Okay. For example, uh, are you familiar with Charlie Hone and his story with working with... He worked with Tim Ferriss, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I reference his story a lot because he's actually helped me land free work with you know these bigger guys or bigger um, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who I would never have had an opportunity with unless I had that mindset. And for those who don't know Charlie's story, um, he was a broke graduate, 22, couldn't even get a job anywhere um, with his marketing degree. And it wasn't until he offered to do free work for some of these really high-level entrepreneurs, including Seth Godin, uh, Ramit Sethi, Tucker Max, and eventually Tim Ferriss. And he did that all within a span of like two, three years. And he offered free work that eventually transitioned to paid work after he proved mm-hmm. this work. So, for example, with Ramit, like before, like Ramit Sethi is the founder of I Will Teach You How to Be Rich um, dot com, over like a mil- millions of readers. And what he did with him was Ramit was trying to get more speaking gigs and Charlie as a reader knew that. So what he did was he edited a bunch of YouTube clips of Ramit uh, speaking online and made a speaking reel for him. And and Ramit was like, whoa, this is so cool. And then he gave it to him for free. And because of that, that got Ramit's attention. And out of all the millions of readers that, um, that interact with him, he wanted to know Charlie more. And so he hired Charlie to... He didn't hire him, but he worked with Charlie for a couple different projects and eventually paid Charlie for his work. And now uh, Charlie's a huge case study in all of his blogs and a good friend and mentor to Charlie. So many of these stories happen because you work for free for someone you really admire. And it's a great opportunity you can't pass up. Mm-hmm. So it all de- it's all situational. Yeah, I guess that is true. And one thing to mention is that 
with Charlie's story, it wasn't that he responded to a posting about an unpaid internship. He kind of actually went out there and <laughs> made it for himself, mm-hmm. which like ethically and conceptually, I'm far more okay with that because if somebody's <laughs> going to come to me and they're like, Hey, I want you to give me your attention and I want to work with you. I think offering free work, if you're good at it and if it's something I actually need, that's a great way to stand out. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not the person who went out and solicited that for free. It's being offered to me. So mm-hmm. now it's like a gift and that's totally mm-hmm. cool. It's, yeah. I guess the question is like, what do you do if a company's like, Hey, we have this position, but we're not going to pay for it. Like, <laughs> I think it gets a little bit more sketchy there, but yeah, I do think true. I agree with you. Like if it's, if it's an opportunity that you perceive as once in a lifetime, it's going to get you where you want to go. Maybe you just need to swallow whatever ethical qualms you have about the nature of unpaid work and just do it because it might get you to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there are companies out there that simply exploit that. Yeah. Like they know that's part of our culture. They know that's what we <laughs> tell young people and they exploit it and then they don't help you get anywhere. They just use you. So mm-hmm. I guess you just have to be a little bit perceptive about it. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate what, what companies do, but I, I guess like it's business. Yeah. That's true. That's their mindset. <laughs> so I guess I guess we can say for the most part, seek out paid internships. And I think these once in a lifetime opportunities that are truly worth it are probably going to be very few and far in between. Mm-hmm. Unless you make it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If you go out there and make it for yourself, that's totally that's a different story entirely. That's a whole you know? different story. And I would say I would encourage people to go do that for sure. You know, if you if you mm-hmm. perceive that somebody you're following has a need and you can fill it, step up and do it, man. Don't worry mm-hmm. about getting paid. <laughs> My freelance writer, Ransom Patterson, he is basically like that. He was like a fan of the blog and he was commenting all the time. And I think eventually, I don't know if I asked him to write a guest post or he might have just reached out to me and asked to do one. And this was back when I was a little bit more open to guest posts. And I was like, sure. You know, and he wrote like five guest posts for me for free. Wow. And they were really, really good. And I was like, this is really high quality stuff. So, of course, I will <laughs> let you guest post in the future. And eventually, it led to me paying him. And now I still pay him. And now he writes probably twice a month on the site uh, as awesome. a staff writer. So, and which has led to more business and other websites. And I think he's he's on track to steadily build a full-time freelance writing career. So, Oh, wow. Those That's little awesome. beginnings where you build a great relationship with somebody, possibly through free work, can really pay off in the long run. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So when you did this first internship and you decided you didn't like it, what were the actions you took to pivot away from that industry? It, it, it was more like, one, I didn't like it, so I had I had to quit. And it was very unfortunate when I quit because it was um, my, my boss's birthday. So Oh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we all had cake and everything. And, and then... Um, and I, I popped into the office and like, hey, um, I'm leaving. <laughs> it, it was really bad. Happy birthday, um, boss. I'm out. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> Looking, okay, I should have said that. Looking back, it looks really bad. But I just really could not take it anymore. I was mm-hmm. there for like three, three, four months. And I was like, wow, this is like really bad for me. Or I can't take this any any longer. So yeah. I have to do it no matter what. Because I was scared. I was scared to quit. It, they were paying me like 13 an hour. I had my own cubicle. I had my own name badge and everything like mm-hmm. they treated me great it was just like a tough decision i had to do um as like a 18 year old so was this an internship you were doing during the school year 
During the school year, yeah. Okay, so it wasn't a summer internship. No, it was. I actually got this in the beginning, like the first semester of freshman year. Really? Yeah. Man, you were hustling. Yeah, I'm hustling. <laughs> How I many hours hustlers. a week were you working? 20. Okay, cool. I guess I was doing 20 hours a week on campus as well, but it wasn't an internship. Was there an end date for this one then? Technically, no. They actually wanted to keep me um, as far as long as possible. Um, they were talking about like summer plans and everything, and I was like, ah, summer plans. <laughs> really? Okay, before yeah. we go further then, what's the definition of an internship? Because I've always perceived internships as things that have a specific time period, and they actually yeah. end. Most internships have a specific, uh, specific time period, usually from like three months to a year. But mm -hmm. I, maybe they did have one, but I just didn't. They didn't really mention it because it wasn't really important to the first three months. The dictionary defines it as a temporary position with an emphasis on on-the-job training rather than merely employment, and it can be paid or unpaid. So, okay, essentially any position that um, teaches you on the job. So basically, uh, just just the focus is more on education and skill building for the employee than a normal job would be. Yes. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So you quit that one. And mm -hmm. from then, was it just, you just subtly worked toward the areas that you were more interested in from then on? Yeah, I went back to my career counselor, John, and he kind of, I was like, John, like, I didn't like the data entry stuff. I didn't like that. And we kind of took a step back and said, okay, um, let's, you know, look at what you did like about it and, and go from there. And so we kind of saw how, and he kind of, after this relationship had been blossoming, he kind of knew me pretty well. So he recommended some other options that I could do. And so he led me towards those opportunities. And so I just, my whole goal was just to experiment. Mm -hmm. um, when you're like 18 and like don't know really what you're doing with your life, you just want to try a bunch of things and see what sticks and what doesn't stick. So my mindset was just um, get out of the first internship and just try something new. And, and go from there. Okay. And so the next one, what was the next one uh, uh, industry-wise? It was uh, startups, actually. That startup accelerators. Oh, that's right. Startups. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool because I got to see all the different startups that came into our batch. Mm -hmm. And I also got to work closely with the founders of the accelerator. And um, how did you get hooked up with them? Through John, actually. It, it, it's so crazy how relationships work. Like when, when someone sees your passion for whatever you want to do, and they see that you're hardworking and you're you're, ambi you're ambitious. They just naturally want to help you. Mm. So John connected me to um, Saf, who's the founder of Startups, and that actually was an unpaid internship. I did not get paid through that, but it was, I guess, for more for experience and for learning than actual um, money. Do you feel like it was justified? Yes, at the time I wasn't doing like 20 hours a week, maybe like 10 or so. Okay. And I got direct access to these entrepreneurs and to the founders of startups who I still talk to today, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty cool. But then again, it, it I was lucky enough to be in a position where I could afford to do that. Yeah, um, that's true. So, and I guess so, the whole mm -hmm. unpaid internship thing is like such a, it just tears at me. It must like tear me in half because on one hand I picture, you know, some company being like, Hey, we're not going to pay you. And the person has to move to the city and then get another like, second job <laughs> at McDonald's to pay for their apartment to do the unpaid <laughs> internship, which like that sounds terrible. But startups was affiliated with your campus. So yeah. I'm guessing it you know, wasn't hard for you to get there just as mm -hmm. a normal student. It probably didn't disrupt your day too much. And you could just put in some hours and then go back to your 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 studies or your classes or whatever. Right. Yeah, most definitely. And I know you're a fan of uh, Adam Ruins Everything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you seen the one with unpaid internships? Uh, yes, I have actually. Yeah. So for those who don't know, for those who don't know, Adam ruins everything. It's just a TV show where this guy Adam Conover kind of ruins our, the the um, frameworks we have on certain topics that we think are true, but he actually tells a real truth about it mm-hmm. with back with research and data about. And this one was about unpaid internships. So there's definitely a a battle between unpaid unpaid and paid internships, but like you said earlier, it's, it's just whatever. It's very situational, and it depends. It just depends on what your goal is and and where you are in life. Yeah, exactly. So I know we're we're getting close to the time we got to wrap up here, but I did want to ask you one question. Something you mentioned in the book is the importance of informational interviews, which mm. is basically just sitting down for coffee or emailing or somehow getting in touch with a person who does the kind of work you want to do or who works at a company you want to work at and asking them what they do basically. Mm-hmm. So first question from your experience, what are the kind of questions that you ask these people once you've got an interview set up? Oh yeah. So the, well, to be more specific, the people you want to interview are, you know, professionals who are working in your dream job position, um, hiring managers in that company or previous interns who worked for that company. And oh, yeah. you just want to, yeah, you just want to ask them like, mostly about their experience and if they would recommend you to do the same thing Mm because they've been in your shoes before and they can definitely help you out. So it could be simple questions like what's your day to day like or, you know, what are the best and worst parts about your job and like what's the typical career path? Like what do you want to do and why did you choose this job out of all the other opportunities to achieve whatever your goal you want to you want to strive for? It's essentially looking to looking for a fit. You're not looking for a job, but looking to see if you can you can resonate with um, where they're at and like where and their goals and mm-hmm. see if it um, matches what you want. And so after you're doing like five or 10 of these, you see like, huh, I actually don't want to go into finance. It's actually very boring and has numbers and you're in a cubicle. I don't want to like rat on cubicles, but <laughs> <laughs> um, those damn know, cubicles, <laughs> these damn cubicles, you just learn more about the job position before actually committing. And so instead of like, if you didn't do an information interview on finance, you would, you know, get a job at Morgan Stanley, a financial company, and eventually hate it after three months, which mm-hmm. is something I did in my first internship. If I had uh, done 10 informational interviews with finance managers or with previous finance interns, I would have avoided, you know, three months, four months of my time and spent, you know, my energy elsewhere. Have you ever done a job shadow? No, I haven't actually. I've always done like maybe like a tour, but not a job shadow. Have you done it before too? Or have you done it before? I've never done a full day job shadow. Um, I've had a couple of experiences and one of them was very eye-opening and helpful. So I had one in high school, I think, where we toured a place that builds electronic scoreboards and we got to actually go back into the office in the cubicle area and talk with an engineer and he literally walked us through the CAD setup and he was showing us all these technical drawings and blueprints and 3D models that eventually went into the scoreboard circuit designs and everything. And that was pretty cool. And then in college, the I think it was the Entrepreneurship Club, which is really weird, but the Entrepreneurship Club decided to have a field trip, and we all drove up to Minnesota and toured this insurance company, Ooh. which makes no sense for an entrepreneurship club, <laughs> but we did. <laughs> it was like super corporate, and you know we toured the entire building, and then we toured their second building, and we got to go basically talk to a bunch of people who were working in the company, and... Mm. So we basically went to this dude's cubicle and he's showing us like, here's this program I'm writing in Visual Basic. And it, I don't know, does some weird financy thing. 
And uh, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I can't do this industry anymore. <laughs> I think it might have been after my internship. So it was like the final nail in the coffin. Like, yeah, I can't be in an office doing this. Mm-mm, can't do it. So that was useful. But I could see, you know, if you could set up a, a day-long job shadow with somebody, that would be an incredible way to maybe accelerate uh, your knowledge of whether or not you might like a job. Because when you're oh. just talking to somebody over coffee, that's useful. But you don't really get to be in the trenches and to see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the best case scenario. And actually, I actually set some job shadows up when I was trying to start my last company. Um, it's called Student Hero mm-hmm. about two, two, three years ago. It, it failed, but we tried to connect high school students to internships and summer opportunities. And one thing we did was bring bring students into uh, job shadow people so that they can see more about like their passions and like what they will actually want to do after high school and after or just want to experiment in. If there's somebody listening to this podcast episode right now who's like, I really want a job shadow with this company or this job, what would you do if you wanted to do that yourself? Set that up. Hmm. I've never done it before, but I can just imagine, I can just picture a solution where you would find the decision maker at the company. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the founder or maybe it's um, HR or or whatever. And what I would actually do is instead of just job shouting for yourself, I would actually try to find friends and group or like a group, a small group or just part of a club and say, hey, we're I'm the entrepreneurship club here at this college. And we're, we're really interested in learning more about insurance. Um, do you mind if we like take a take a tour around your campus and maybe do a little job shadow or maybe do a little one hour not information interview but one hour like talk where mm-hmm. we can discuss about opportunities at your company and and then now that you have a group and you have credibility and you have a very clear ask i would imagine the hr company would be like huh we can hire these people as interns or we can hire we can target this group for our next products or you know there's value for them to say yes essentially so that's kind of how I go about it. Okay. Do you have a better idea or do you kind of agree with that I one? I think that's a fantastic idea. I mean, my initial idea would be to, um, I, there, there's this tool that I can't remember the name of, but it's this Chrome extension that basically will let you go to any company's website and it'll show you who in your LinkedIn network works there uh, up to second and third connections. So uh, maybe I can find it and put it in the show notes. I'm not sure, but I'll look. So basically my idea would be to either find someone in my network or to use a tool like that and find somebody who literally does the job that I want to do, <laughs> email them, say, hey, I'm a student. And if I can find an alumni from my university, even better, because then I can make that alumni connection. Say, hey, oh, I'm yeah. a student at your university. I'm really interested in going into you know the job you're into. And I might go at it from the inter- informational interview angle first. And if we really hit it off during the conversation, then I might ask about a job shadow. Oh, I see. So you, so kind of like foot in the door approach where Mm -hmm. you do one little thing at a time. But I love your idea because like you said, if you do get a group together, then you can kind of use some of your school's credibility and Mm -hmm. you're providing more value to the company because they can basically make an event out of it and they get a bunch of potential hires that they're essentially able to partially vet while they're at that event. Mm -hmm. So definitely both, both really smart (laughs) ways to go about it, I think. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure like people listening, like they probably have much more creative ideas too. So, uh, whatever you try, let us know mm-hmm. so we can like help other, help more people out. Yeah. And speaking of that, I did like the creative approaches section in your book. I, I did appreciate oh. that you included something like that. Oh yeah. My, that's my friend, Paymon Vaidadi, who, um, actually got a job, at, who got an interview with Indiegogo 
with his own campaign and video and pictures and milestones and everything. He he created all the whole a whole campaign about himself to get a job at Indiegogo. That's so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. My friend Martin made a website asking to get a job at a web development firm. So it was a the web development firm is called Flying Hippo. So he made I want to fly with hippos.com and it's a full website that's just hey, I would love to work for you guys. Here's why I would be a great employee. Here's why I want to work for you specifically. And he lists out all of the aspects of their company and their work that he admires and likes. And then he put up a portfolio and a couple of really great testimonials. And Whoa. everything was like subtle hippo humor and stuff like that. So he <laughs> no, got hired. I'm, I'm on it right now. That's awesome. This is this is perfect, actually. He has your website. It has your T-shirt and everything. Yep. Yeah, because he's the one. So basically the, the history of Martin and I working together is he... His initial thing for me was coding the new version of College Info Geek, which is still what's on the site now. So he gained a bunch of development experience from that, and then he was able to leverage that to get the job at the web development firm. Um, but I think the the website was basically the thing that made them say, "Okay, we have to talk about or talk to this guy at least because oh he yeah, made an entire website for us. <laughs> this is a perfect website. Bonus cool hippo facts. They're faster than me." They're vegetarian. Sometimes they're Pokemon. <laughs> like, what? This is awesome. Yep, it's the best. <laughs> oh my god, I would hire him on the spot just for just for the effort. Mm -hmm. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I've heard about a couple of other people doing things like this. Uh, I know there was one guy that made a I want to work for Airbnb site at one point, mm. and then this a other guy did a I want to work for Adidas, and he made this entire slide deck of things he would change. At Adidas, I think I think he made a slide deck, assuming like he's up in front of the execs at Adidas making a marketing presentation. <laughs> so he just literally wow. posted the slide deck on his website. It was super mm -hmm. cool. Man, yeah, everyone's doing just creative approaches mm -hmm. to get their job or internship or whatever they want. And I, I just love the extra effort because it makes you stand out so much. Like I want to apply with hippos.com. Like you, you, it's hard to ignore that. And and you have like you just want to root for this guy, yeah. Even though you don't know him at all, you can't ignore it at all. <laughs> so you know, not a guarantee that you're going to get a job, but certainly a guarantee that you're going to get attention. Oh, most definitely. So Tam, I'm definitely going to link to your book in the show notes. And beyond that, if people want to connect with you or read other things you've written, where should they go? Yeah, they can go to tamfam.co. Or you can find me on Twitter where you'll see Tom and I tweeting back and forth about random stuff. I like your last comment about the finish that sentence. And then you mentioned um, <laughs> this, this, this wacky uh, response, which I love. I can't memorize it, but I, mem I didn't remember it, but um, it was it made me laugh. Well, it was. Um, oh, what was it? So you posted a picture of a job recommendation or no rejection letter, right? It was like. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you were really qualified. We thought you were great, but, and you're like, finish that sentence. And then I think <laughs> I wrote something along the lines of, we're actually looking for somebody with 400 years of experience who knows 900 <laughs> arcane coding languages that we don't even use, no soul, and a complete yes man attitude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I figured it was something around, along those lines because that's yeah, what yeah. it always is. Yeah, you, you actually wrote that. That's, that's so funny. It was actually, um, they wanted me to move to New York. So I was like, no, thanks. Oh. Um, Oh, is that, it I wasn't, thought, it wasn't what I wrote then? It they wasn't what you to have no soul? <laughs> uh, it would be so funny if it was though. Are you still living <laughs> in San Jose then? 
I live in San Jose, yeah. Yeah, but I, I could see in, why you uh, wouldn't want to move to New York then. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to move to New York. Not yet. Um, I had some offers to go to New York, but I just think it's, uh, it's not worth it at this point. Yeah. I love to visit New York. Absolutely love hanging out there. But living in Iowa, I'm, I don't want to go to an even more northern place. I want to get away from the snow. Mm. So I don't know if you've ever even lived in a snowy climate, but the winters aren't fun. Yeah, well, I never lived in a snowy climate, but I did experience a really horrible um, like snowstorm when I was in Chicago uh, oh, last yeah. December or mm-hmm. two Decembers ago. It was it was so bad outside that we had to stay in our hotel the whole day. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like horrible. open the hotel door. It's just a wall of snow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know <laughs> if it's a wall of snow, but uh, it was just very dangerous to go outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, that that's definitely the the more crazy end of it, but. There are certain winters where you'll have snowstorms like that every other week. And it's just, I don't know, I'm tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) Move to California. Well, I'm moving to Denver, actually. (laughs) Oh, no way. It still does snow there. And in fact, I think it snows for more of the year than it does here. But the thing about it is because it's higher up and also further south from where I am, the snow melts. So mm. at least what I've been told, basically they'll say, hey, you know, it's it snows and then a day or two later it's melted and it's not that bad. Whereas mm-hmm. in Iowa, it's, you know, four or five months of overcast and snow on the ground all the time. Yeah. You still on track to retire by 30? So that was the retire by 30 thing is Mr. Money Mustache's goal, which he did. Oh, so mine was you, mine was 40. 40. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I, I just listened to I just met Mr. Money Mustache uh, a, a month or two ago. Oh, did you? So, yeah, at, at World Automation Summit. So that's why I got confused. Oh, it's awesome. So I had that goal and went on TV, talk about it and everything. This is a good question. <laughs> so I am not doing the same things that I talked about in that TV interview because my original goal was very well planned out, you know, it was retire, quote unquote, by 40. And I don't I don't like the American concept of retirement because I don't ever want to stop working and building things. So really for me, it was just a get to a point at which any project I choose to dedicate all my time to is independent from any income requirement. Mm. You know, so I could paint pictures all day or I could go build houses for people that are, you know, can't pay for them or whatever. You know, I just want to have, I want to have enough wealth that it could support me off the 4% rule without Mm. me working and adding to it. And at the time it was like, okay, so what I need to do is basically shove two grand or a little bit more every month into my Vanguard and at a conservative rate of return, I will eventually have enough money to do that by 40. So I had it all calculated out. Now I'm, I'm not doing that because I've realized I can get a six or 7% return in the market, which is great for most people, especially people who have regular jobs. But because I'm building my own business, I am a better investment than the market is. Because if I can invest some extra capital into hiring someone to take over a part of my business that I no longer have time for, then I can invest my time into building something new or to making better videos. And it's going to have a greater than 7% return, most likely. Mm -hmm. So I'm not currently shoving $2,000 a month into my Vanguard account. I'm taking most of that money and I am paying people to do things for me. And I am building my business and growing it and making it more profitable that way. So the strategy has changed. It's a bit more business-minded, startup-minded, less just index fund-minded. 
but yeah. I think the result will probably happen sooner than 40. Oh, wow. You know, Go you. This is me being very confident. I'm not like a millionaire right now, but I have 15 years until I'm 40, and I think betting on myself rather than the market, I can get there. Oh, yeah. You, know? you are the last safe investment. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> And I think you have that same hustle, right? Like you're going to get there too. Yeah, I, I think you should definitely invest in yourself and invest in your earning potential mm-hmm. so that, yeah, it, so many benefits just investing in yourself. And that's a whole nother topic that maybe for another podcast. Yeah, we could probably do an entire <laughs> extra podcast on that because it, it's yeah. not just something that business owners should think about. Like say you're a IT professional, right? And you're working for a company. It would be short-sighted of you to take every single dollar you have and shove it into your 401k and an investment account if you could take a few hundred of that and uh, you know buy some training materials and pay for a test to get a certification which will allow you to move up to a much higher paying job you know mm-hmm. so there's definitely paths to actively invest in yourself and your earning potential no matter what industry you're in it's just like punching me in the face obvious as a business owner now because <laughs> i think back when i did the interview i was very i was very lifestyle businessy at the time i was like yeah, yeah. i'm gonna do everything myself i enjoy doing everything myself i'm gonna keep it going blah 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 and i've I've just very much shifted i think mostly as a result of doing listen money matters and having andrew just berate me every other week about how i need to delegate <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mindset has shifted quite a bit since then in a good way i think in a good way yeah 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 so yeah, that that's my situation right now. But yeah, to uh, to put a bow on it, I do think that I will still quote unquote be able to retire by forty. That's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, dude, thank you so much for coming to the show. Uh, I know people are gonna get a lot from this, and I'll definitely have to have you back on at some point. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and it's been so much fun talking to you always. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that about does it for this week's interview. Hopefully you found it helpful. I know that I did. And personally, I am going to go make some upgrades to my own relationship management system because I think that that would be very useful for me to do. So if that's something you want to do, I challenge you to go put what you've learned in this episode into action. Also, if you want to connect with Tam, you can find him over at tamfam.co or over on Twitter at Mr. Tam Fam. And beyond that, if you want to find a list of my favorite resources for becoming more productive, for managing your money, all sorts of good stuff, you can find them all listed over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. So check those out if you're curious and keep your ears peeled for next week's episode. And until then, stay cute.